I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Due to an unforeseen audio glitch, this episode is a little shorter than normal, and our guest, Kai Dickens, mostly disappears until around the 11-minute mark. We're not exactly sure what happened, but please stick with it. We truly believe this is an important conversation and Kai is doing great work. Welcome to Manic Rambling Spiral. I am John R. Bray. And I am Heather B. Armstrong. And this week, we are joined by a third voice that we're really excited to have on the show. We are joined by Kai Dickens, who... I'm going to let her introduce herself in greater detail in just a minute. But in a nutshell, she is a director, um, and she has made an incredible documentary focused on paid family leave or the lack of paid family leave in the United States and the importance of family leave and everything surrounding that much bigger issue. So Kai, if you want to say hi to our listeners and give a little brief background on you and then Zero Weeks, your movie. Sure. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Kai Dickens. Uh, I'm the director, and Zero Weeks is my fourth feature documentary film. I also direct TV commercials and things like that. <laughs> um, and yeah, the film really was kind of birthed out of necessity after I had my own daughter. And... Um, realize that we are the only country in the world that does not offer paid family medical leave outside of Papua New Guinea. And I uh, thought that this was sort of, you know, as the more I dealt in, I realized this is um, an American crisis. It truly is. It's not an exaggeration in terms of economic health, gender and racial inequality, and um, public health. And it became my um, latest film. Excellent. And it's, you know, both Heather and I have had a chance to go through it. It's... And, and, and I know this really hit home for Heather as well, but it's an incredibly, it's a, it's kind of a devastating documentary, to be honest. It's infuriating. When I was watching the film, like the word stunning, just, it was a breathtaking film, first of all, really, really well done. And I thought, <laughs> do I call a movie that is so devastating? Can I call that stunning? Um, the stories were just so devastating and relatable and heartbreaking, every single one of them. The movie covers all these different instances when one might need family leave, not just in the case of childbirth. Um, They were talking about this on um, NPR this morning, actually. It's like the 25th anniversary of the Family Medical Leave Act, and you pointed this out in the film as well. Um, They had a caller who called in and talked about, it was a man who said that he went to his his, uh, company to ask for just a very small amount of paternity leave and they didn't even know what the word meant and they laughed at him. (laughs) As I was watching the movies and relating to the stories, I felt, um, I felt an immense sense of privilege and relief around what I experienced with my second child because both my husband at my, my ex-husband at my, 
my now ex-husband, he was working from home and I was working from home and um, we didn't have to worry about it. We, we were with the child. We, we both bonded with her. Um, we were with her 24-7. And then I suddenly realized and, and thought back to my first child. He was working um, as an art director for a local company here in Salt Lake City. And when she was born, he, had, he took three days off of work. And that was that was all he had accrued in terms of of um, vacation days. So he had to take vacation days, and then after three days, he was back to work. And then I ended up in the hospital six months later with postpartum depression. And he had he had to take FMLA. Um, he took seven days of FMLA, and when he got back to work, his boss was extraordinarily cruel to him about it, and held it against him. And I, and it, so these stories really resonated with me. And I thought back to, you know, if he had been able to be with us, because becoming a mother for me was very disorienting. And you, you, and you emphasize. I love that you emphasize in the in the film, like you had that doctor talk about how he struggles with telling women what they're supposed to do for themselves after childbirth for for their physical well being. He struggles. You know, he has to balance that with knowing that. They're going to have to go back to work in 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 three three or four days, and um, I wonder, like I'll never know this, but had my ex husband been with us for a few weeks to get us settled in, to get into a routine, to bond, to to find our balance, would my postpartum have been as bad? I don't know. I will admit my ignorance because I've never needed it. So when I when I decided to dive into the film into zero weeks. I was thinking this was going to focus on the fact that 12 weeks of paid leave is not enough because that was honestly what I, I mean, I, I know how ignorant that is, but that was, I had never looked into it. And I just assumed because to me, it, it is a no brainer. Of course, there is some amount of paid leave, but 12 weeks didn't seem adequate. And then you get in and then there's, there's nothing. There's a scene in the film. I think, I don't remember where this is. I was at, it was a clip in the film, something to do with Spotify and, Someone at this meeting is was not American and was a little confused by the conversation that was going on with FMLA and is basically jaw-dropped at the concept of there being no paid leave. Like, cannot even fathom it. It's, it's sort of that, that analogy that they always give. You know, you have to put on your oxygen mask first before you can, you know, put it on your child. But in this particular situation, it's... It's almost like you're forced to put your own on because you can't you can't lose your job and your benefits. But then you have no option to help the other person put theirs on. So you either both suffer because you're going to lose your job or you're not getting paid or something or the person that really needs care suffers because you can't make that sacrifice. It's so anti-family. Leaving your job, I mean, mostly includes, you know, um, pregnancy and family members and sickness. And it's so anti-family in this country to not have this as an option. And I mean, like you said, like marriage rates are better when a spouse can help the other spouse with the child. Don't they have, I believe in Denmark, don't they have like a year paternity leave? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> A whole year. <laughs> it's like everyone is just stuck into a role without even really realizing it and without even necessarily liking it. But it's just been that way 
for so long. There's there's one woman in the film, a first time mom, who made a comment that it's it's mixed messages because she's being told that she she needs to be a really devoted mom, but she also needs to go back to work. And it's the same, I think, with dads because they're you know there's the family man and you have to be a really good dad, but oh by the way, you have to come back to work immediately and that is your priority. So then you've got the mom at home who's completely stressed out and not fully recovered physically or emotionally. And then you have the dad who's forced out of the home, who's feeling guilty that he can't be there to help be around his new child or support his spouse. And it just creates such a nasty dynamic right from day one. We talk, we talk a lot about how um, John and I both have, uh, we, we have, we have to, you know, go through Obamacare to get insurance as freelancers. and. We've, we've had discussions where we talk about how those who go with, with without insurance are basically an accident away from bankruptcy, just just an accident away. And when you look at when you look at it from this uh, issue, you're an accident away from going bankrupt yourself and then possibly the person who has to leave their job for a week to come take care of you and they lose that job. So like so coming at it from this issue, someone getting sick, there's a ripple effect. But it's it's also, you know, those are the arguments that it, it would be such a bad idea, but it's not like we're in a great place now and we're worried about ruining some perfect equilibrium. I think there, there's one point in the film where I think you mentioned that the United States is ranked last in maternal health, in child health, and in family-friendly policy. So, I mean, if someone, if someone offered me, you know, the, the deficit's going to increase, but we're going to be ranked in the top five in those categories. I mean, like that, that seems worthwhile to me. Like it's a, it's a positive trade-off. When that all comes, you know, what is it for? If our people aren't happy and um, healthy, and I just keep thinking, and the film actually goes into this, that in the constitution, we talk about ensuring um, a common defense and promoting the general welfare. And we're doing a good job at providing a common defense, but where's the general welfare and paid family leave is like the backbone of this. Exactly. Yeah. I'm on the board of directors for a maternal, um, not maternal health nonprofit. And we've done work around the world. And this year we are focusing quite a bit of our efforts here in the States. And, you know, I know not, not, not many people do know that we rank last in, in the developed world in, in terms of maternal health. And seeing this film helped me to understand that this plays a huge role in that. This issue plays a huge role in the fact that we're last. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it, it just can't be um, undervalued. And I think that's the thing, you know, when, I remember telling my dad, I'm making a film on paid family leave. And he's like, that sounds boring. <laughs> and even at the premiere, he was like, I just can't believe people are coming to this film. It sounds boring. And I was like, dad. And, you know, after the film, he's like, I was so gripped and I was moved and I cried, you know, so it was really funny. But, um, but I think that is like, oh, paid family leave. Like, wh- how is that important? Why is that important? Why should anyone care? And, and for all those reasons that if we want to talk about any of the ways that America is suffering, Americans are suffering the, the fact that like there's so many Americans that need to protect the paycheck that are economically or job secure or food insecure. And there's so many people that are, you know, just 
suffering through health issues and happiness issues and have mental health problems. I mean, so much of it comes back to paid leave. I mean, we haven't even started talking about like the opioid crisis and addiction and all those things. You need, you want to keep your job and try to handle a personal struggle as such. You might want to go into a clinic for a few weeks or months. And and I always considered myself like a super um, career driven woman, you know, that type of thing. And I was so naive about what having a baby would be like that. I remember telling my boss like, Oh, you know, I can just like, I'll probably be able to like just come back in a few weeks and be fine. Like I didn't even know at first, you know, before like having a child, what it was mean. And, um, and I will never forget, like you're working against so much biology, at least in that case where, you know, after I put in my time, which was not enough, and having to go back to work and feeling like my heart was being ripped out of my body and, you know, wanting to cry, being so desperate to stay home a little bit longer that I remember, this is so like dramatic, but I remember thinking on the way that we work that first day back, if I got into a car accident right now where I lived and I was healthy, but I could just like be in the hospital for a little bit, then I could be with my baby longer. And I remember thinking like, that is so messed up. That is so messed up that that is like the type of thought that someone has to have because they don't have enough time. And we make the point in the film that in America, the American, the humane society <laughs> makes sure that kittens and puppies can stay with their babies. It will make women go back to work two weeks, four weeks, you know, six weeks after having a baby. And like the baby's not ready for it. The mom's not ready for it. Like every bit of biology is fighting that. And, um, and it does. It causes like the mental and emotional distress, unlike anything I was prepared for or realized happens to people. And it it woke me up to what women go through all the time. And I just can't even imagine. I mean, the same thing would happen if something happened to my my spouse, and I couldn't be with her if she was like in an emergency, or my mom, I couldn't be there when she, she had knee surgery. Like, there's just things where if you love someone, you want to be there. That is human. And I think to kind of address the the comment that your friend made when you were in Washington that, you know, why do we need this? We're a powerful country. We're in a really good shape. And this is not a criticism of your friend, but I think that's the attitude that everyone who has not needed it has. Because if everything is good and you're looking at it through that lens, then you don't need to fix anything because nothing is broken. But then suddenly things break and you realize, oh, that would that would actually really help. But kind of by that point, it's it's too late because it's not there. So there's no time to figure that out. And I, I thought about my own situation as I was, I was watching it again. Um, you know, I'm relatively middle to upper class. You know, I've, my, I come from a very privileged uh, family. And I remember the you know, the third day being home with my with my child and my ex-husband getting up and going like the, the, the idea of him leaving, yeah. <laughs> the idea of him leaving and going back to work and leaving me there. And my body was still in so much pain and I was still so disoriented and sleep deprived. And I remember just being absolutely gripped with terror that he was leaving. And I think it's that terror um, of being alone and knowing that there is no other option this is why this issue is so important is that so many Americans are grouped with that terror of, Oh oh God, what if something happens? Like it's living on the edge. Yeah. And you know, in the film we talk about how, and this is a, you know, statistic that was um, um, basically kind of broke about two years ago that one in four women go back to work within 10 days of having a baby. 
And in 10 days, I mean, your body's not even healed yet. And if you had a C-section, like so many American women do, you're not, you can't even hardly walk yet. And of course, a lot of those women are working lower income jobs where you might be taking a bus, you might be, you know, needing to commute further, you might be, it might be more difficult labor where you're on your feet all the time. And it's just does not make sense to have someone with a major surgery who might still be bleeding to go back to work. It just is. Yeah. I love for, I wish like people could call in and explain why that makes sense. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, yeah. And I think the film, you know, one of the scenes that I like a lot, I don't know how audience members react to it, but I think it meant something cause just watching it happen was so compelling when we went to, to this hearing in Madison, Wisconsin, and Wisconsin was debating whether or not to like expand their paid medical leave in the state. And walking into that room, we knew there were so many lobbyists that were there to fight against the paid family medical leave bill. But first spoke the people that had been dramatically affected by not having paid leave. And one after another, you know, your, your fathers who couldn't be there to take care of a sick child because it boss told them they didn't have that child or a woman who you know, couldn't be there when her mom was dying because she had to pay the bills instead. And it was just person after person after person. And then they said, okay, those against, you know, Wisconsin state bill, blah, 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 blah. Now it's your time to speak. And no one spoke. Not one lobbyist went up to that microphone because it was so monumental hearing all these stories. And I think that's the thing is like when you hear the stories of people out there and what they're going through and the choices they have to make, it's really hard to argue that not having paid leave makes sense. And I wasn't even aware of FMLA until my postpartum depression episode. And he and I, my ex-husband and I were, he had not accrued enough vacation days for me to check myself in. And so we had to do research and he, he stumbled across, he, he was doing Google searches <laughs> and came across the FMLA and approached his boss about it, who was, I mean, she's legally obligated to let him take this leave, but she was, she fought him on it. And here his wife, his wife is in crisis and he's, you know, arguing with the boss over whether or not he can take legal unpaid leave to watch our six-month-old child. And, I, and I'm coming at this from a, a perspective of he, we could afford to take those seven days. And so many Americans would not be able to take that. There was that one story of the woman who um, she was going through chemotherapy and she was still work. She was still working through the chemotherapy until the chemotherapy basically broke her. And that was just and each case is so different from from each other, and yet the heartbreak is so similar. Where it's it, it is a sense of desperation of how do I deal with this illness or this crisis and and pay my bills? Yeah, and you know that woman Keisha Scrivener. We just found out last week that she passed away, and it was such devastating news for our team because you know this in the film. She, she had been at that job for 19 years. She got breast cancer and was going to get chemo and radiation on her lunch break. And the whole time, her number one concern was taking care of her daughter, Kalani, her three-year-old, making sure she was going to the best school she could get her into and that type of thing. It's like she never failed at being a great mom. She never failed at being a great worker. But where she couldn't be a great person to herself is taking the time off to heal because she couldn't take the time. She couldn't miss out on that paycheck. And 
again, that, like for me, that was witnessing that and immersing in myself into Keisha's life. It was like, this is a failure of American society. This is a failure of everything that we say we hold dear, you know, that she <laughs> has the same job for 19 years as an awesome mom and can't take time off to heal from breast cancer. And had she, like, I think we, we all of us who knew her really believed she would still be here. Not a doubt. And, and it's to, to hear her speak. And I think, I think it was her who made the comment, something to the effect of that you, your employees aren't any good if they're coming to work in pain anyway. So you're just, you have a, a body at work who's really not effective because how can you expect them to be? And I, I, I felt so awful with that situation because it was just, I felt like she had gotten to the point where she kind of just shrugged and was like, there's no other option. Like it's hopeless. So I just have to do it because there's nothing is going to change. And you should never have to get to that point. And yet she still every day got up, got her daughter ready, ready for school, got her to school, went to work. I mean, while going through all of that on her lunch break, which is completely asinine. I had a friend who had a Facebook status a couple of days ago, and she said, you know, there's that old adage that life never gives you more than you can handle. And she says, I don't believe that. And and I like that was this is an instance where it's not just life throwing something at her that, that it's more than she can handle. It's these systems in place that are making it so that it's more than she can handle. Yeah, that was difficult. And that and the thing is, is that's not rare when we were looking for subjects. There were so many cases like that. And really at the end of the day, we were like, let's just try to be geographically diverse and like, make sure we like go to different States to capture this, you know? Um, but it was, there are so many Keisha's out there who have cancer or have a sickness or who have an injury and are going to work when the doctor says, no, please take care rest. You will be better. Your health will be better. Your long-term health will be better. Your odds will be better. If you just take some time, six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks to just rest. Who can't do it? Exactly. Yeah, I feel like she could handle it. But when you have all of these different things actively working against you handling it, it's impossible. So California has paid leave. So progress is being made little by little. You know, and there's something I think about the American psyche that's like, oh, this is just how it is. We pull ourselves up from bootstraps and this is what we do. But Nowhere in the world expects their citizens to be stretched that thin. Nowhere, you know, and it's, it's not, it, it's, we've gotten accustomed to it, but like the conversation needs to start that like, it's not normal to be accustomed to this. You shouldn't have to be making those choices. And the truth is, this isn't new since the beginning of, you know, hunters and gatherers, someone had to be caregiving, someone had to be working like, you know, out there doing something like caregiving and working was always a part of the human society of the human equation for all of the components of the society. So this isn't a new problem. We've just made it exponentially more difficult than it needs to be. Definitely. Well, and I think though, and you, you approach this from so many different angles, which was one of the things I really liked about the film. Yes. Uh And there's a point in there where it's addressed that, you know, if, even if family medical leave is available, paid leave is available, there's a lot of men who've expressed an interest in it and an interest in taking it, but a lot of them have also said that they're afraid to take it because they're afraid of what that will do to their job. Not that they'll lose their job, but how that will 
impact their ability to to grow in that job. So I think even if we, you know, even if we woke up tomorrow and there was paid leave across the board, that's like an entirely separate hurdle to clear to to convince men that it's okay for them to take it because otherwise you're just going to have the women taking the leave and still assuming that role of caregiver and the men not even though it's available. So I think the question is how once once that leave is in place how do we as a country encourage men and let them know that it's it's okay to do that and there's no shame in doing that that they should feel comfortable doing it. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, there was a caller this morning um, on that show who said that she had gotten sick and had, or her mother had gotten sick and she had to take off seven weeks to take care of her dying mother, um, FMLA, so unpaid leave. And when she returned to work, the day after she returned to work, they, um, they basically got rid of her of her position. So so even though we have a legal, um, she had the she legally could have taken this off the the her her employer's position about it was you know eh, this is this is this was still wasn't fair to us so you're out. Yeah, I think it's going to be a cultural shift. There's been some really interesting research. Um, men are more willing to take paid leave if their older brothers have, um, they're also more willing to take it if a boss or someone, you know, in a position of authority has. And I think John, you make a really good point because just because policies get passed doesn't mean there's a change in public opinion necessarily or culture. So, um, I think there's going to have to be like a real awakening with the senior management of men that are like, you should take this, this, you know, they need to be like preaching, like, take it, take it. I'm going to take it. I'm going to lead by example and encourage their, um, you know, the people that are working for them to take it. And I think that's going to be the most important ingredient. Well, that I think is where the cultural shift comes into play is that, you know, even in this case, you know, FMLA is in place or, or Heather in John's case, when he had to take those seven days, they can't, they can't deny it because it's law things just become miserable for them as a result because of that cultural element. And as we've been talking, it's been so long that I forgot about this, but Kai, my situation is sort of unique in the sense that my son, who's now almost 14, uh, is not my biological son. I've been his, I've been his dad for 13 years, 
but have never adopted him. And early on in this, when he was about two, I had a job working in retail and he had a health emergency after I was already at work. And I went up to my manager at the time and said, my son has this emergency. I need to leave. And there was this long pause. And she basically told me that it was okay because it had to be okay, but it really wasn't because he wasn't actually my son. So I should think about whether or not I wanted to, to take it. Which is just, and I left anyway, because it was, it was the only option that, that we had at the time. But it's those, you know, running into that enough in the workplace, I think you eventually get to the point where you don't even try anymore. Like, you know what the response is going to be. So it's not worth, like Heather, I think if, if John had to take FMLA time again, I wonder if he even would try based on that experience. Well, he, he got, there's, I think there's a, a man in the, in the film who, who got to the point where he was like, I feel like my job is not, is not looking out for me at all. Like I want to give them as much as I can, but I don't think that I'm getting much in return. And that, that was the same with John where he came to that point in, in his job where he, he felt like here I am trying to take care of my, of, of my sick wife and my child and do my, do my best at my job. And you don't care about me as a human. And um, that's when he left and we started, my website became the primary source of our, of our income. There was, I mean, he had no loyalty to them. I think that too, like it breeds loyalty. It breeds like, if, if, if you know that the, your job cares that much about you, you're going to want to give all you can to that, to that job. And I think there's, there's a few moments in the film, Kai, that really speak to that. And I don't remember all the names, but there's, there's one woman who I think is the, the editor in chief of a magazine. Um, and, and they have, it's, it's, a, a, you know, not a major publication, but they offer paid family leave. And this editor had, had a baby and came back and they were saying in the film, like, we're pretty sure she would have left. Had we not had that, and she could probably leave and make more money doing something else, but she stays. Right. I mean, that's that's loyalty to sit at your desk and know that you could make double somewhere else, but you stay. Like those are the kind of employees that companies should want. And that was, I think, the one bit of the film that I found really encouraging were these small businesses. I, th I believe they were all relatively small businesses that offer paid leave. And, and when you, when you were interviewing the owners there, like the response was the same from all of them. Like, of course we have to do this because we're people and we employ people. And that's just the, the human thing to do. Someone said, I don't remember the exact quote, but it was something like, it's not a viable business if you can't take care of the people who work for you. And that says it all. I mean, yeah, it's huge. And and the fact that these are small businesses yeah. doing this, like you you know, then that these massive corporations can, and some of them have, right? I mean, you you listed a lot of really large companies that have. So it's it's just something doesn't connect. So what then after after putting this together and meeting all of the people that you've met? What do you think people can do to help 
force this issue? I mean, what can, what can we do? What can people maybe who don't have kids yet do or have never needed FMLA do? What steps can we take? Well, I think, you know, America has sort of really been like reimmersed in civics 101 the past few years and just realizing, you know, the, 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 how, how legislation can happen. And part of it is by reaching out to your elected official. If this is important to you, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing more significant to than making a phone call, sending a letter saying that you support legislation. There's a bill that has been written. Um, it was co-authored by, um, Senator Gillibrand and Congressman Rosa DeLauro, which is called the Family Act, and you know, throwing support behind that. And then if, if there are things happening in your state, um, there are a lot of groups um, working toward this. Um, Family Values at Work is one of them, where if you go to their website, you can say that you, uh, you know, went through something and you want to testify and share your story because there are hearings around every bit of legislation and the, the public hearings that happen around paid leave, they have people come in and share their stories. And it's not just people who endured, you know, a situation of having to make a really difficult choice between their family and their paycheck. There's also business leaders who can come in and testify and say, look, we passed this and this has been great for our company. This has retained our most valuable employees. And, you know, so getting involved, signing up to testify, but also reaching out to your elected official is um, bar none the most important. And, you know, we're also telling people they can screen zero weeks at their own companies, at their own nonprofit groups, at their own theaters in their own cities, like what, you know, we're just trying to get the film out there and really turn a movie into a movement. So at zerowakes.com, there's a thing that says host a screening. And if someone wants to host a screening, they can do that because I think helping people understand why this is important can really be helped by watching the film. Definitely. I think this is something I will definitely bring to the nonprofit that I'm on the board of for sure. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, and like I said, as someone who really approached this with a complete misunderstanding of FMLA, I think it does an excellent job of framing the discussion and really getting to the meat of what it is from, from every angle, not just for moms or for dads, but I mean, of every single possible angle that this could possibly be applied. Great. Well, thank you. It's good to hear. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent work. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so very much. Kai, thank you for joining us. And I just want to make sure I know you mentioned zero weeks.com for, for people who are interested to host a screening, they can go to zeroweeks.com and, and follow it there. But how else can they connect with, with you in this movie and where possibly if, if they maybe don't host a screening, where and when will they be able to see it? Yeah. Well, we're having our Chicago premiere coming up on March 23rd. It's going to be um, screening at the Cleveland Film Festival uh, coming up here pretty soon. And it's going to be at the Beloit Film Festival in Wisconsin. So on our website, again, zeroweeks.com, there are a list of upcoming screenings. Um, and that's the best place to look. There's also a really fun page on our website called resources where people can post little gifts and animations and illustrations about some of these stats. Um, if they want to get involved in, on social media. Awesome. Yeah. The web, the website's amazing. You've done oh, really thanks. well with that too. Well, I appreciate, uh, having me on and both of you watching the film and highlighting this issue. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for, I mean, you quit your job to do this, didn't you? Yeah, I did because yeah. I didn't have enough pay leave. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is just a great cause and it's, thank it's you. been great, you know, learning thank more about you. it through the, through the film, but also through you today. Great. Well, thank you so much. Thank take you. care to both of you. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. Okay. All right. Take care. We would love to hear from you. <laughs> 
Oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man. I had forgotten that we had to Google FMLA. I totally forgot. Well, it makes me feel less ignorant, I guess, to assume yeah. that it was paid. Yeah, no, not paid at all. But we would love to hear your stories um, if you've ever had to take unpaid leave for a medical reason, for a sick loved one, for even, you know, many people don't even have any leave at all for um, for having a child. So if any of you have experience, have experience with uh, FMLA or paid time off or paid medical leave, um, we would love to hear um, what you have to say and what your experiences are. You can reach us at stories at manicramblings.com and online at manicramblings on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And... Until next time, call contact your, your state rep. <laughs> I was about to say that. Call your I mean, elected do, do representative. Do something for this issue because you will need it at some point. You will need it at some point. Or somebody you know will need it at some point desperately. Yes. Many thanks to Tan Lines for the soundtrack. To Lisa Congdon for the cover art and to Ryan Coomer for his expertise with the editing stuff. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.